last time we did this, you just, I think you recorded before we started recording, before I started recording. And I was like, oh fuck, I missed something. Cause like, or something messed up. Cause it was like, you were talking, it was like in the middle of the conversation. And I was like, shit. I just, I just out. did that again then. Yeah. So we did the same thing this time. It's fine. I'll, I'll go through this time and actually listen to it. Cause last time I was like freaking out. I was about to text you. I was like, <laughs> you, you fucked up, Sean. You fucked the recording. No, I didn't fuck anything up. I'm yeah. a driver. Anyways, what up, guys and girls? It's Bobby. And Sean. Coming to you for another weekly episode of the Cronus Cast. As always, this week's episode is brought to you guys by Peregrine Recovery. Use the code Cronus15 for 15% off. And then if you're military or first responder, you can contact them directly for an additional coupon code. Or if you're Jason Statham. What is what is what is this uh, voice you're doing? I'm trying it out. I feel like I would bring more like to uh, Megatron the podcast if I was a British uh, former diver turned world class movie star. I don't know who you're referring to. Um, another pitch. So we got a new five star review on, on iTunes. I don't know if you saw it yet. Oh, I haven't. No. What's it say? Who's it from? It is from guy. I don't know if it's a guy, but J O Hall from Tuesday this past week. Uh, I will admit that I check probably the reviews probably every day, checking out if we get any new reviews. So it's kind of like my guilty um, guilty habit. Anyways, he goes, or he or she goes, quote, listening to your podcast combines the engaging banter of a warm, friendly conversation with the insightful experience guidance of an almost father-son chat that I really appreciate. Thank you, sirs. Oh, that's really nice. So are we... Are you the father and I'm the son, or are we the fathers? <laughs> and are they the sons? <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like on a personal level, I've called you daddy quite a couple times. But... <laughs> yeah, are we the, are we both daddies? Are we both fathers? Or are you daddy? Am I daddy? You know? No, I'll call you daddy. Uh, thanks, John. Uh, I guess New York City is really rubbing off on you, though. <laughs> oh, it's. It's rubbing off on me. I've got a couple pair of jorts, so I'm I'm all bought into the New York City lifestyle. I'm just waiting on my rollerblades to come in before I start going up first half. I feel like rollerblades are pretty sweet, though. Like I remember rollerblading when I was a kid, and I was like, this is sick. I would 100% rollerblade again as an adult if I had I like, lived somewhere would. I could. If I could fit through the subway on rollerblades, I'd absolutely go through my daily life on blades, showing up to school on blades, Going to the gym on blades, especially for an upper body pump day. I don't That'd need be my legs. Sick. I really, I'm, I'm like obsessed with like you know on cro- like the crossers, all of those like one wheels and those like electric scooter things. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yes. I am so in a buy one of those things, but like I have literally no use for it. <laughs> They're also like a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's like yeah, seven hundred plus. But I, I'm like obsessed with those things. I really want one of them. But well, you had some experience with longboarding earlier this summer didn't you yeah it was like last summer that was like a thing i went through i haven't really done it since i've been back yet um but it's kind of like cooling down so i can actually start being outside again so that's good i, I don't think you can rollerblade effectively without fanny packs either uh dude speaking of fanny packs ooh, i'll no nah, i won't talk about it yet you don't want to drop it no because it's still we're still in development thing so i don't want to like you know spill the beans too soon Oh, Cha feel. Cha totally feel right now. But for all those listening, Sean and I are working on some new products that, you know, you guys have hit us up about. So just be on the on the lookout for some new stuff coming out in the future, a very near future. Very, very near future. I'm thinking at least something will be announced this week so far as products are concerned. I've just got to go get some shipping labels and then a product will go hot and live on a, on a limited time and quantity uh, order. And uh, we've got those stickers that are coming in the mail that should be here in the next two weeks. So look to get metal with your tagging of Cronus Fit on every Nalgene that you own. Yeah, we're getting uh, kind of in a lot more swag coming out. So stay tuned for that. You know what's not swaggy at all is the Go Army's recent Instagram, Twitter, promotion of a trumpet player as the this could be you in the army i can't believe that i actually sat through and watched that i mean i didn't think it was that bad i think the the intent is that they're just trying to highlight some like 
atypical military people, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, to be honest. It's atypical, but it's one thing if you're the Navy and you are advertising the SEAL community because it is such a small percentage of the force and you're trying to get that little market segment to say, that's something I could potentially do. If the Army were to do that with the Green Berets or the Rangers or CAG, that'd be one thing. But to highlight a band member as this, he's serving, I mean... Anyone that's done deployments, and you can't just throw up there, oh, they've done four to five deployments, because their deployment involves sitting at a division headquarters somewhere, playing music on the, on the main when an aircraft comes in with a distinguished visitor. So that's, that's not even a deployment. I mean, I, I think we should talk about that first and foremost here on the podcast. Deployments to Afghanistan, eh, some of them, yes and no, are actual deployments, but deployments to, like, Africa and non-combat zones, minus like what happened uh, last year or two years ago with that SF team. Like, why are we deploying so many soldiers around the world for mission sets that are not for the intent of killing someone? I, I don't understand that. And it's just like frustrating for soldiers that I know to have their time wasted for nine months. Are you mean like the, uh, like the Europe rotations or the career rotations that people do? Yeah, it's like every 06 now is just throwing their hands up in the air. Oh, I'm not going to get Afghanistan or Iraq, but please, please send me to the Horn of Africa. Please send me to the Korean Peninsula because I really, really want my guys away from their family. That's going to build morale in my unit. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessary. I don't think it's necessarily. I think it's just that's just the way that um, strategically that that they're that the you know the duty is going for because it's all relationships right now. And like extending power beyond conventional, you know, that's like the way of projecting power now is, is the international relations and the rotations through Europe, especially with like through the Ukraine. I know. understand that from the limited time that I spent at First Cav because they went to Korea within nine months of us getting back from Afghanistan, but it kills the mental health of soldiers and families who want a reset period and then to find out that you're having your time taken so that you can go and focus on a mission set that if your unit had a little bit more professionalism, they could still conduct at their home duty stations where they wouldn't have to take soldiers away. It's bad enough that on a, you know, almost 18 to 24 month period, you're going to go to JRTC or NTC at least once, and then you're going to send probably a battalion size element back to be OCs or op four. And then another battalion is going to go somewhere and help with like cadet summer training or any number of random assignments on the border for six to nine months. It just seems like we're jumping at the opportunity for just pointless, mindless training for these guys when you can do all that at home station if you really put your mind towards it. But is it really, because um, I think it's not necessarily, I think that's part of it, but I also think it's part of like the leadership, uh, for, like the 056 level of, of checking that box of like a deployment, you know, to get that, you know, OER bullet for future. That's 100% all it is. I, I think it's really frustrating when you're down as a platoon leader, a company commander, and you're either you know, the OIC or the NCOIC of those organizations trying to tell your guys after you've got some time in actual deployed environments that this is something that they should buy into. And it's going to be great from the sense that you're going to build camaraderie within your platoon, within your company, maybe within the battalion based on mission sets. But when you get to these locations, you're going to have such limited opportunities for downtime because they just want to hit the ground running and continue with these random programs, and then you're going to separate the companies and the battalions all over a, a giant area of operation, and then it's just going to be a, a constant competition for company commanders to say, look what we've done, look what we've done, look what we've done. I need to be most qualified. I need that top block because, you know, I don't want a very well-written HQ going on my OER when I'm competing for, you know, a major billet. It's just officers and the officer-centric environment is really limiting, I think, good mental health in the military. And then you just looked the last week, what were there, three suicides on that aircraft carrier uh, right. out in the Pacific? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's I, awful. But I don't know where that where that pressure comes from. Is it from like strategic general officer level, or is it coming from like the 0506 battalion brigade commander level? What do you think it's coming from? I think it's coming from the 06 level. Yeah. And I also think it's coming from your one stars that are sitting as the DCGs at major divisions because they're going to be able to influence training. I mean, especially like DCGMs uh, or to the DCGO that comes in that may be like a, a very soft one star or a very senior colonel. And they're working daily with individuals at the Pentagon to line up these you know, quote unquote deployments. And that's everything. You, you talk to people and they're like, oh, we're deploying. My first question is, oh, are you going to the east or south of Afghanistan? They're like, oh, no, I'm deploying to Grafenvir, Germany. Uh, we're doing JMRC. And you're like, oh, my God, when did that word get watered down so much to involve a training rotation? I mean, it's a deployment. It's a deployment of troops. I'll give you that. But before 2011, 2012, I don't think anyone called those deployments. It would be like a slap in the face of the guys that have actually deployed. And we call them deployments now so people feel like they've got some connection to senior leaders within the battalion. It's like the 101st made everyone in, I think it was a third brigade, take off their deployment patch because the junior soldiers that didn't have any were getting their feelings hurt because they feel they had messed, you know, they'd missed out. I mean, they did miss out. <laughs> I mean, they, they did, but I'm just saying that's not a reason that we've got to make all these people feel that because you weren't a part of it, everyone has to forget or completely get rid of something that was, you know, instrumental in their junior careers. Yeah. I just don't understand it. It's frustrating. Yeah. But I think just where, I guess, the, the trend is going now, I mean, right now, you, we, I, we have, the, like, the drawback in Afghanistan again, the same thing that we went through, what was it, 2013 or 14, when we went to the first drawdown? Well, yeah, and then the we, we had an increase in troops in 2015, beginning of 16. Yeah, so it's just it's all cyclical. I think it's like, I mean, personally, I don't think that we're leaving Afghanistan or the Middle East anytime soon to begin with. So it's just like a moot point talking about decreasing deployments to there. Because I think if you stay in long enough, you're going to go to Afghanistan or Iraq or, you know. Well, I, I've got a buddy that just got back from an undisclosed location in the Middle East, and I asked him what he had done, and they were literally doing, like, border surveillance. surveillance. Yeah. I mean, and it's like that, and he's, and he's in a unit that you would hope wasn't doing just surveillance and surveying. And it's like, what, we're, we're, I feel like we're wasting a lot of talented individuals' time by forcing their hand when that decision comes, I can get out of the army because I don't feel fulfilled. I don't like I've been utilized correctly. Yeah, like it's the, uh, it's the argument back in 2011, an article came out that said, why are all the best soldiers leaving the army? And I'm not saying that is like me. I'm not saying that's you. But in general, that is an argument that has come up when you see the talent management in the army. And so many of our peers at Ranger Regiment that were junior officers, I want to say less than a third are still in because of their experiences once they left regiment and got to the regular army and went, this is a clown show. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like it's, uh, I mean, it's hard to talk about. I think it's like, because we don't really know behind the scenes at like a strategic level what's going on and like, we can kind of like read between the lines and think about countering Russia with the Europe deployments and countering North Korea with the Korea deployments, fostering like fostering relationships with the European allies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, but at the end of the day, it's like we still don't really have a say in these things, you know? Well, no. And we use the example of China, North Korea and Russia as the catalyst to get us to these training events abroad. Yeah. But do you think, honestly, that in the next 20 years, we would ever square up against any one of those individuals on the field of battle? Uh, North Korea, maybe. China, no. Russia, probably not. It'd be a, if, it was, if we swear up against Russia, it'd be some kind of surrogate war, like in the Ukraine or something like that. So that's that's my opinion, too. I don't see especially with the economic ramifications of a global war being 
really viable. No one is yeah. going to want to step out of that because of the interdependency of markets around the globe. And we're already producing essentially as much as we can from the, the hawkish point of view with the military industrial complex. Yeah. And we're still, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of a Russian near peer threat when it comes to power in the air and then some of our uh, night capabilities. But we're way too interdependent with China, and then China's going to put pressure on North Korea because, you know, Kim's a clown, but he's also not an idiot because he realizes mm -hmm. if he wants to go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, that's the end of his country in a very quick, very unilateral strike yeah. of many forces. Yeah. So, yeah, so I don't really, yeah, I agree, I agree with that also. Uh, I was actually listening to a podcast with um, Gary V uh and, and Aubrey Marcus and they're talking about how like the era of American dominance is was like is waning or whatever we're on the edge of or, or on the uh the eve of American dominance on the on the on the unipolar world or whatever oh uh, yeah well there was that book uh unipolar that came out I want to say four years ago that talks about the rise of a lot of these what used to be uh, developing nations in the 70s and a lot of people pointed at President Carter as a failure because the US market started losing power and purchasing power with the dollar well if you look at that time the Soviet Union uh, was you know starting to be on its decline the countries that were in World War II were starting to make that 20-year rebound and coming back up and start progressing through their economic development you had a huge growth out in the uh, Indian Peninsula and then Southeast Asia with markets starting to open up there. So if you just add a bunch of elements into the economy, you're going to immediately dilute the system with so much more shares of that market that you're not going to have the former purchasing power that you used to. And I don't have a problem with the U.S. not being like the top dog in the world that we have to, you know, think that we have to solve everyone's problems. I think it's going to be nice that you can speak quietly and carry a big stick, as Roosevelt used to say. Right, right, right. Yeah, I agree with that. I buy that. Checks out. Yeah. So Dude, anyway. so we've gotten a lot of questions on RASP, RASP2. Uh, you want to start scratching the surface of that some? Yeah, I guess we could spend some time and talk about RASP2. Uh, like Sean said, we get a ton of questions about RASP2, whether it's from, like, mostly, like, infantry, JOs, or guys still in, like, ROTC slash West Point talking about or asking about the process. But basically, uh, the first thing that you should do if you're interested in doing regiment is go to the website and look up, like, the how to apply. And they have a lot of information on like, just how to apply. Like before, like asking us, just do some of your own research and do some of your own homework and look up the website, look at like timing requirements. Cause I think I actually pulled it up the other day cause people kept asking. And on the, on the Fort Benning website for the Ranger Regiment, they have like a PowerPoint image or like an image of like timelines where you should be applying for stuff. And it like kind of tells you like what you need and when you should be applying. So if you are interested in it just look at the website just first things first just look at the website and do some homework especially when it comes to your specific branch of service yeah uh, you're gonna everyone's gonna go to ranger regiment usually the obvious thing is for junior officers you have to have a ranger tab however that is not a total requirement for going to rasp to we went through with a guy that didn't have his tab and was told that if if you're successful here and you're selected, you'll be going to Ranger School afterwards. So not every NCO and officer in that organization has a tab, especially if you are a very, very specific MOS um, or you know a branch. But the expectation is 99.9% .9 of the rest of the senior NCOs and junior officers will have their tab. It's just an expectation, especially for the younger rangers coming up before they can get any leadership position they have to have a tab right oh yeah so i'm on the website right now and like they break it down by year group so like they have year group 14 
not currently hiring your group 2014 infantry officers. Hmm. You know, your group 2017, Ranger Battalion Staff slash Platoon Leader positions. So, like, literally, if you go to the website, they have an FAQ. They have, like, what classes you are, what um, year group you're in and whether or not you can apply or not and for what positions you can apply for and, like, what specific requirements you need. So, yeah. I think one of the other things, too, that's different than something like going for SFAS when you put your packet in to go to SFAS, you don't need your battalion commander's signature. You don't need your brigade commander's signature on a 4187. If SF branch picks you up on your application, that's an automatic pull from your unit, and you automatically go. That's different, though, than Ranger Regiment, where you have to get that blessed off and signed by an 0506 to release you to go to that unit. So be wary and understand if your battalion might see that move as a general lack of esprit de corps or somehow you are not motivated by the growth of your unit and you're selfish, you're going to potentially face some backlash when it comes to your OERs as you're leaving. Yeah, absolutely. Um, luckily, but I think that it really depends on your com- uh, command compliment too. Like when I applied, like my battalion commander was like all for it. He's like, you you deserve to go there. But I feel like definitely like I, I don't know about you coming from first cav. There are any like uh, you know like uh, any negative repercussions from that? Oh, absolutely, there were. I got my forty one eighty seven signed by the battalion commander that I had for the train up to Afghanistan and our deployment. And fortunately, I got that signed off because when I went to go do my exit counseling with the next battalion commander who was a tabless armor officer. I think he only had air assault. He asked me why I could not make Ranger Battalion at the company that I was at. And I looked at him dumbfounded, like, I've never been. How the hell am I supposed to do that? Like, that's the point of the charter. I get it. And then he goes on to tell me that when he was up at Fort Lewis working up on the division staff, he looked at 275, and he looks at me, and he goes, I just wasn't that impressed by them. They, they didn't impress me. Uh, I thought they were, you know, playing fast and loose, and in general were not that great of a unit. And I remember sitting there, like, telling myself, bite your tongue, bite your tongue. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. This guy is an idiot. And then I got my OER from him, and I was like, you know what? That's when I stopped caring about my OERs because I realized that, the platoon of the company I was in did very well, and when I got to Ranger Regiment, my only focus wasn't going to be on the OER. My focus was just going to be on making the Ranger platoon as best as I could yeah. and working with the Rangers there and making them successful and helping them in any way I could. But to hear this guy say that, like, we're at the first cab. It's not like a lot of guys leave that division to go to Ranger Regiment. We had two from my company, and that was it for the brigade. So I was completely shocked that he wasn't excited. He was looking at it like... I was spitting on the unit that I just yeah. served in for almost two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's such a definitely a huge challenge that people face all the time. Because I think a lot, I think that your story is probably pretty common amongst a lot of guys who try to go to regiment. Unless they're, they're, unless they're in like the 80, 82nd or 101st, like 10th down, where they have a history of that. But if you're coming from like a like mech unit or like a heavy unit like you did, I'm sure like there was a lot of like institutional bias against that. There absolutely was. We had a lot of soldiers that were interested at just going to ranger school. Like, not going to RAS, but they just wanted to do something that had the ranger name on it. And we would bring these packets up, and we would run pre-ranger programs for them. And the battalion would go, well, you know what? We're going to send them to the air assault school that we've just stood up down at 3rd Corps. Yeah. It's like, that's great, sir, but these guys want to go and do a little bit tougher of a school beyond just a 12-mile ruck that determines whether or not they get a badge. Uh-huh. And that was the most frustrating part for me. That was probably the first time I was really jaded by my experiences in the Army because it was not about the soldiers any longer. It was about saving TDY funds and promoting the mission set that was there but not what was across the Army in the formation. Right, right. Yeah. But I think that's like uh just uh like a a statement of leadership in general at like a higher level, like at a at a 
cultural slash institutional level? Oh, it was definitely a cultural thing because the sergeant major of my battalion left a Bradley out in the desert for, I think, two or three days at NTC oh my God. Uh, without water after checking on it. And they were like, the mission requires us to keep pushing on here. I'm giving him a very tough guy voice. He was not. Let me change it. The, the mission here determines that we, sh- we need to go and, and, and secure this ridge. You guys have to fight the fight that you can. And they were left out there for days, like no communication, no gas. They've blown track, and they're just stuck. And, like, that's the kind of culture that I first came from after we got back from Afghanistan when all the leaders were just stripped and taken out and shot to the four corners of Fort Hood. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just another, like, um, analogy for Army leadership in general. Yeah, which is de- definitely too bad. But back to RASP, too. Uh, we can't talk too much about what we do when we're there because unlike uh, SFAS where there's a lot of knowledge that you can go and resource about exactly what events you have to pass, RASP2 is one of those where it's very close hold and they want people to show up not knowing exactly what to expect. Yeah. But what we can tell you physically you should be in some of the best shape of your life. Maybe not so much from a distance running perspective, but from a functional fitness, moving under kit and body armor type fitness. Yeah, you need to be in really good shape. But I think a good uh, distinction to make is that unlike um, like SFAS with RASP2, with SFAS, like you're not guaranteed a spot. Whereas in RASP2... If you get fenced by a battalion, that means you already have the job in the battalion, and it's on you to prove that you belong at RASP too, right? Exactly. It's one of those, based on the paper review, we think that you look good, and then now we want to see that when you show up, you are a team player. And I get that there's team week when you go through SFAS, and if you go through SFRE with the National Guard, that's something that they hit on for that limited period, but the team effort is like the first and foremost measurement for you as a ranger while you're going through and being assessed by very, very qualified and professional NCOs. I don't think I heard ours cuss like one time in no, absolutely not. the three plus weeks. Absolutely not. They're unbelievably hard to read and completely like impassive. Yes, yes. That was uh, That was definitely like a mental check when you're looking for feedback and you don't receive it and you go okay this is i've just got to be confident in my capabilities and those around me and make sure that i am you know in if i'm not at the top of the pack that i'm not at the back either yeah um so how about how about this let's talk about kind of um the process to get to rasp like a quick once over of the the poi at rasp and then kind of go from there you think that's a good way to start talking about this just get a little or- sure. more organized yeah absolutely uh for the application for uh a junior infantry officer uh the first thing i did when i was interested in it was i, I went to the website i looked at the requirements you can download the packet uh, contacted the recruiting officer at rasp2 um, and at the 75th and i started going through all of the requirements and the next thing that i did is what I think everyone should try to do is go to the company commanders in your battalion because I guarantee you one of your company commanders knows a guy that was in the 75th as a platoon leader if he himself was not there and he can put you in contact with them or he can put you in contact with the S1 of the specific battalion that you're interested in going to. So you don't have to blindly apply to the 75th and just hope you end up in a battalion. You can try to determine some of your course by reaching out directly to the S1 at those battalions. And then that packet will go and be reviewed by senior leadership within the battalion to fence you or to pass you off potentially to another battalion. Yep. Yeah, I did something pretty similar. Uh, When I was applying, one of the battery commanders in my battalion was from 375. So I leaned on him a lot for some like insight on on applications and like just, just overall how to get the RASP and be a ranger. So that's the first thing that I, I would 100% agree with Sean is to, to reach out to somebody that you know personally or know someone that knows somebody to try and like learn some more and do some research into the organization and then definitely check out the website and to look at the actual application details. 
And then once you're you're fenced by a battalion and it's very exciting, it's continuing to focus on the mission set that you have because a big part of what you do at RASP2 is proving that you weren't just a one-trick pony, that all you did was focus on your own personal development. A lot of it is going to be a review of your relationships that you had with your platoon sergeant or platoon sergeants, your squad leaders, your team leaders. How well did you know your men? How well did you care for their needs? Uh, what specifically did you do to set yourself apart as a leader and not just an individual chasing a beret or chasing a different unit patch and uh, you know another opportunity to potentially you know fight the enemies um, that we have presented before us. Right, I think uh, they're pretty good about like seeing who you are as a true, like who you truly are, seeing your true character. I'd say like uh, they're really good at. I mean, like three weeks is a is a it's it's hard for you to fake you for three weeks, and like they specifically put you in in situations where you're tired and your true colors would definitely come out. So they're really good at at getting you to show your true colors put it that way yes and the fitness events were challenging but they weren't impossible because if you prepared for it and you were mentally tough and you really wanted to go that was important and the other thing that is a very common question there and something that's spoken about both uh, amongst the applicants and the guys that get selected is like, hey, have you ever applied to go to SFAS? Um, have you ever applied to go CA or to go PSYOPs? Because they don't want it to seem like this was just, I didn't like my unit. Right. The, the whole point of the 75th with the, the charter is once you leave as a junior officer, um, as a senior NCO, you're going to go and do charter time. And the intent is that you take everything that you learn from the regiment and you apply it to the next unit that you're in. And if you can just take one thing on and pass it. So they're also looking, are you someone that has those skills to be a good teacher, a good communicator, and a good motivator of those that you know want to follow you and that you want to lead? Yeah. And I've I something I, I've appreciated more now uh, since leaving regiment and like going the medicine route is like, a lot of the stuff that we learn or that I learned in regiment in terms of like leadership and like not really like tactics, I don't know if they apply to medicine, but like definitely like the leadership stuff has been like, you know, super, I, I, I like don't really notice it until like I pay attention to myself what I'm talking about. But like when I talk to other of my peers that are like med students slash residents, I like echo a lot of the leadership stuff that I learned in regiment. So it's kind of funny to think about that. That like even though you not you might not think about it, you definitely bring that experience with you wherever you go. I think the idea of selfless service is something that a lot of people just scoff at. It's kind of like, well, yeah, duh, I'm serving in the military, I am selfless. But when I got to Carson, the guys that worked the hardest to make an organization better or to inject themselves somewhere that they saw was potentially struggling, even though it wasn't required of them, was a lot of the guys that had come from regiment because it wasn't so much, this, I'm doing this for me. It's like, I'm doing this to make, if I'm in the S3 shop, the S3 shop just a little better in this, this spot because I realize I'm going to have to work with these people. And if this section is failing, then we're not going to be successful on the mission set later. And so I think it was like a different culture and a different environment where nobody really cared how they might have been racked and stacked. It was more, okay, it, did I make the unit better? Can I improve and help out here based on my experiences and what I've learned from the you know awesome NCOs that you served with in, in the Rangers? Right, right. Um, I guess we should talk a little about the RASP POI. So like the first week of RASP 2 was pretty much like a wrap week where you do like all the physical requirements, like all the basic, you know, the, like basic entry requirements i think we had like people didn't we have a guy like fail a pt test or some shit i don't know if we or i like know we had like a guy quit. that he f he fell out of a lot of our runs yeah that was some you know you just just shut up and i do think we had someone uh not past the rock i remember the yeah. rock being incredibly humid though yeah that we rock was there. fucking brutal i was fucking was dying that was fucking brutal. Yeah, I think we were one kid like he cat and like almost die on the rock. 
Yeah, I remember finishing the ruck and being like, this is going to be a long three weeks. I won't be selected because I didn't break two hours. So I'm just <laughs> going to enjoy my time here with everyone. Dude, I had like a two hours and like 45 minutes or two hours and like 50 on the ruck. Cause I was fucking <laughs> dying on that ruck. But anyways, the first week is like all the physical requirements. You do like the RPFT, you do 12-mile ruck, you do like the combat water survival test or whatever. Um, all the basic stuff that you hit in ranger school, and there's some other spicy events that get thrown in there that we won't elaborate, but it's fun. You are, you are seriously going to look back at it and go, this was a good time. And for the most part, you have your weekends off and that's some personal development for you when you're sitting there and you're going to potentially have an assignment um, as you start leading into the second and third week. And then that mm-hmm. second week is again, they're also there to teach you about the organization. So you're going to yeah. have a great classes. set of lessons and classes that line up. Okay. This is our lineage. This is why it's important because every ranger is expected to know this. And if you go there and you don't know the creed, just, Heads up, learn it. It, it. it kind of may have been a joke when you were at ranger school because you were just zoning and wanted to get out of doing push-ups or getting out of doing some sort of communal punishment. But if you listen to the creed and you say it enough to yourself and then you look at the individuals that really represent that creed, you will take ownership of it. And it becomes so much more than just a couple paragraphs that were written back in the 70s. Dude, not not gonna lie, this kind of, might be kind of lame, but uh, I find myself quoting the Ranger Creed like in my mind on a daily basis. It's kind of fucking weird. Like we had this like a leadership lecture at uh at at San Antonio, and then I was like quoting the Ranger Creed as part of like leadership attributes. <laughs> I don't think anybody, I'll do paid. it if I'm on the assault bike. I yeah. know it'll take me about a minute to get through the creed and. I'll just say it once, be like, okay, that minute was off. Now uh, I get some rest, and I'm gonna repeat it. Yeah, but it was like, a, I thought it was kind of funny because they're like talking about like what le- what leadership attributes do you look at when you look at like leaders? Like, what do you, how do you qualify a leader? And I was just like talking about <laughs> like showing more, showing more than their fair share of the task, hundred percent, then some, and some of that, sh- some of that shit. It's kind of funny. Obviously, nobody picked up on it or understood what I was saying because <laughs> nobody went to ranger school and out in, in medicine. So, well, yeah. So then, you know, we finish up like the second week. You're going into the third week. You're doing some incredibly good fitness. I mean, I think the RASP two fitness programming was probably one of my motivations for starting how I was looking at developing fitness programs for Cronus Fit. Because I said, these guys get it. It's functional fit. It is some endurance base. But in general, it's to develop like a very lean, mean ranger capable of deploying around the world at a moment's notice. And that's something that I thought the rest of the Army could really benefit from. And then then, so two years ago, that was like, hey, if I need to lean back on something, like I'm just going to remember what we did there for that time and, you know, really develop training programs that will reflect that experience. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think because the second week we do just training in general. So we do like the ranges. What else did we do? Like ranges. Ranges. Second week. It was actually, I thought it was great. Like learning how to shoot. Like they, I mean, obviously everybody in regiment is like a really good fucking shooter. And like, I mean, I don't know about you, but like in big army, I didn't get anything about like shooting, like shooting instructions or periods of instruction or like how to improve shooting technique. It was just, you went to the range and just shot at the range and then like actually go over drills or teach your techniques. So it's just, you know, just go to the range. Well, I remember I got to my platoon and the first range you ever had was a qual range. And they were like, hey, the standard is you shoot expert. You don't get up until you do that. And I was hitting like 35, 35, 34. I'm like, holy shit, like I'm never getting up from this. And then eventually you shoot expert and people are like, oh, thank God, PL. Like, you know, here's your radio, though. Like, you'll be good. And you're just like, oh, fuck. But then you go and you realize you have such incredible marksmanship, you know, from the junior level all the way up to the senior level. I, I think my platoon sergeant was like a obviously like a first time go on the qual for like 40 for 40. And then nighttime was like 100%. And it was like no problem. Like he could do it standing up. Like it, that weapon was just another instrument that he used as part of his frame to just put down targets. It was incredible. Like, and then that was like across the board, people were just sharpshooters. No, but expert, not sharpshooter is the right thing, but like expert. Yeah. 
Yeah, but so that was that was a cool experience. Is like learning how to shoot. We had like two or three days of just range time, so that was cool to get like some formal instruction of like the fundamentals of shooting, and then taking like pistol and then moving on to carbine. It was good. And yeah, that's very cool. And then third week is just board week, wasn't it? Yep, board week. More more fitness events that are you know still being assessed, but a lot of it is just what is your interaction like with the NCOs that are, you know, running the program, what are your interactions like with the RASP-1, uh, you know, individuals that are going through and training, they're about to be rangers, are you being respectful to them, are you hustling everywhere you go, are you volunteering to say the creed? So nothing, uh, you know, here is, is a secret. Uh, the rest of the course, you're going to have to figure out on your own because it is very close hold. But the general things that we can tell you, be good at talking and communicating a point, show up physically fit, but just be a good dude. At the end of the day, yeah. if you're a good dude, I promise you, you will have success 95% of your time. The other 5% is just mental sharpness and fitness. Yeah, just be a good dude. I think that's a good life lesson in general. And then when you get to Ranger Regiment, we also had some questions, like, based on staff time. So I got there, and I was on staff for, like, three and a half, four months. And then yeah. I was fortunate enough to go down to a platoon. And that, that is sometimes common and sometimes uncommon. It just depends on when you show up with the, the Manning roster and when guys are taking over platoons. Yeah, like, I was pretty lucky. Like, when I showed up, I, had, I went right into an FSO job. Uh, but I think it's different for, like, the non-infantry branches because you already have like a specific job lined up for you and you aren't really like earning a job or a pl job so to speak yeah and then the big one that you know once you're there and you've established yourself and you're looking for what to do next one of the things that i've always hoped that the army would do is take the officers that are leaving the 75th as pre-command captains and saying hey we want to make you eyeball instructors. We want to make you the junior officers that are over at the RTB to take those lessons learned and impact the next group of, you know, lieutenants that are coming through eyeball or going through FA Bullock, just to give them another image of what else you can do in the military. Because outside of that, I remember going through Ranger School, I had no idea what Ranger Regiment was. Everyone knows what a Green Beret is. I had no idea what the 75th Ranger Regiment was until I met Rangers at school Yeah. and started asking them what kind of missions they went on and exactly what they were. Yeah, but that's like a little different discussion. Yeah, absolutely. For another, we can shelf that one. Yeah, we can shelf that one. Uh, what else do you want to talk about for RASP? I think that's pretty much it. Just like be a good dude, be physically fit, and just understand that you know, it is a privilege to serve an organization, not a right. Yeah, and whenever it ends, just be thankful that you had that opportunity. And the Rangers that you meet there that you get to serve besides will be like lifelong acquaintances and friends. And you should do whatever you can to stay in communication with them or reach out or help them because they'll definitely be there at a moment's notice uh, if you ever need it. Yep, 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 yep. You want to talk about the Open? Uh, sure. Let's transition a little bit, a little cross it talk. Um, so as everybody knows, the open starts in, uh, 10 days, 11 days, the seventh, whatever that is, or no, is it next week or two weeks? I thought, Ten? I thought it was next week. Is it next Thursday? Uh, I'm going to look it up right now. Hashtag always prepared. Hashtag, uh, I wrote this down out with oh, the old in with the new I've, I have no idea, actually. It's a. I thought it was a ten. It starts out in ten ten. I thought. I well, I think it's it. going to be very interesting for the guys that like last year between the open and then all of these regional formats for people qualifying was really difficult to understand who had a spot and who didn't. Like even yeah. with the week before the games, I think this one's going to be a really good opportunity for people to have like a a period before the games that they already qualified to reset their body and then to come back even stronger. Yeah. Oh, it is 10-10. First, 20.1 is 10-10, October 10th, so it's two weeks. Isn't it going to be Rich Froning against Scott Panchik? Yeah, this is the open announcement. 
So I, I think cool. there's going to be like burpees in the first one. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if any of the previous years have been like any indication, it's usually like a um, a uh, what you call it, like a pretty longer aerobic type workout. Yeah, like a 15 to 16 minute just like absolute engine destroyer. Yeah, something like that. Hitting the red zone way too quickly because you go out too fast. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, I'm uh, actually not looking f- super forward to it. Uh, last month being in San Antonio, I was not training as hard as I would be if I was at home. Uh, not to use that as an excuse. My fitness is definitely not where it was last year for the Open. So, we shall see how I end up on this year's Open. Yeah, and with that... Try to beat Bobby this year in the open, all you athletes out there for Cronus Fit. Because uh, if you do, there are prizes to be won, especially for those of you that finish at the top of the leaderboard. Bobby, how can they record their score to compare it with the great doctor? So just go to your, uh, the, your open profile and go to the uh, hashtag wizard uh, and then just put hashtag Cronus Fit. And then we can track you um, for our leaderboards. So uh, right now, let me pull up the custom leaderboard for this year. I believe we have one person signed up right now. Shout out to Ryan Reed for signing up for this year's Chronosphere Open. Be tracking I you on think the board. I have a cousin named Ryan Reed. Uh, Ryan. He actually looks kind of. I don't. I don't want to like go dig into his identity. But uh, he kind of looks like you. I click on his profile. Yeah, I have like a second cousin. Uh, maybe we're related, man. Hey, what's up? He works at a CrossFit Kokua. I don't know where that is. That sounds like Hawaii. I don't think I know anyone in Hawaii. Yeah. I mean... Uh, and we're also going to have it on Kilomoto. So every week we'll post the workout. Uh, it's awesome seeing you guys record your scores in the app. We're tracking it. We're seeing it. Um, it's really cool that you're giving feedback on the exercises and, and competing with the other athletes that are using it. Uh, currently in week eight on the 175 program, the next one is going to be a more conventional military prep, uh, less focused on aerobic capacity with more of an anaerobic base for that 12-week period. Bobby, what program are you working on right now? So I'm still working on the open program. Uh, I just got a question about post-open. So uh, we're going to do the open until the open's over. And then after the open, I think we're going to move into like our classic uh, off-season programming uh, with like a 12 to 16-week hypertrophy block, followed by like another 12 to 16-week strength block, and then some like, you know, standard crossfit stuff along the way. So I'll probably just take a look. But that's probably what I'll do after the open. Yeah, that's great. I'm bulking right now, so if anyone wants an excuse for, you know, not beating Bobby, that you can take that one because I'm trying to trying to put the pounds on. Yeah, I'm just trying to like not be fat. Uh, I'm actually doing right now. I'm doing a 24 hour fast right now because my my stomach's like all sorts of fucked up from I don't know if it's from San Antonio or like what it is, but my stomach's all sorts of fucked up. So I'm trying to like do a reset on my body to like a 24 hour fast and then kind of go from there. Dude, doing that monthly is really beneficial uh, from what I've read and what I've seen. I, I did it like every other month for a while and I really enjoyed it because it, it like provided some mental clarity and, you know, freed up a couple hours of my day because you realize that you don't have to eat. So you can actually like, I don't know, focus on schoolwork or do yeah. some personal reflection. Oh, yeah, dude. When I was like, uh, um, when I was doing intermittent fasting during the first two years of med school, like I did intermittent fasting for like four years. Like in med school, I felt so much more efficient on it because I didn't have to eat. I just would study. <laughs> you know, I I think it's great. Um, not something that like you have to necessarily do for a long time. I've talked to a lot of the people in my law school because you've always heard that people are saying stuff like, "Oh, I just don't have time to work out," or "I got I get a, got to get back in it," or "I got I got to go on this diet." And it's like trying to tell them, "Hey, like yo-yo dieting is not healthy." Yeah. Like, don't so much think that you have to cut, like, one food source out. You've got to eat healthy long after you decide that you're doing something for six, eight weeks because it's just throwing your body into chaos when it's got to constantly make up for 
these, you know, random emotional sets that you go on for how you eat. Yep. That is some wise advice, especially for anyone that wants to lose weight. Yeah, just make the make the time for you, you know, do some journaling. Uh, I found that's really helpful. Like every day, just write down what you eat, when you eat. And then that way you can start looking at like, okay, I had a two-hour period between like these three meals that I consumed. Like, is that something I really want to do? Like, what's that doing to my metabolism? What kind of food was I eating? How was I snacking through today? When was I eating? Because if your body's regimented and knows it's going to eat at like, you know, for me, uh, 7.30, 11, about 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and again at 8, like, that's something that it can rely on. But if I'm starting now all of a sudden to eat at 11, then I have, like, a couple random meals in the afternoon, like, I'm going to start, like, storing some excess fat because they're going to go, oh, my God, like, when's our next meal coming? I don't know. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm getting anxious and anxiety, and my body's like, okay, we got to go into primal state. We don't know when we're going to have to fight that saber tooth. Start storing some fat for some potential fighting to come up, you know, in season. So just understand that a lot of this plays a significant role in how you retain, you know, some of that mass that you're developing um, just based on a routine. So get into a routine first, and I think you'll be much healthier in the long run. Yeah. And then fasting is kind of interesting, too. I would, like, I would recommend, like, trying a fasting every now and then. I think it offers some pretty cool possible physiological benefits um uh, but something I, that's something that i like to play around with a lot in my normal dietary regimen is fasting every now and then just just a fast chafiel chafiel and fasting um I've, oh let's i guess we can kind of close out but i was gonna ask you have you seen the new joker yet I've not, because it, it looks like those guys that are, what is it, an incel? Yeah. Who's the, like, I just feel like that is going to promote the wrong message for these weirdos that sit in their basement trolling people and then go out and, like, romanticize violence upon others. I, I think, like, the Joker's version of the Joker is much different than, like, Heath Ledger uh, uh-huh. or Jack Nicholson, and I, I just don't think it, it is a mentally healthy, from commercials at least, so I'm speaking very ignorant here, uh, a mentally healthy joker um, huh. for a general population that's suffering mental illness right now. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. I just thought it looked pretty sweet. <laughs> I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is a is a fantastic actor. Like, don't get me wrong. I just, I'm concerned with the status of mental health in the country and that kind of stuff promoting... That behavior, I mean, the Army got that email last week or two weeks ago warning people about seeing it. I think it's it's a little bit, you know, exaggerated, but it is still a valid point. I think there's a lot of weirdos out there that uh, go on these rampages because they see elements of themselves in pop culture. Yeah, but that's an, I don't know. I feel like that's like a very small percentage. I think I, I'm actually excited to watch the movie just because it looks like a pretty badass movie. I saw Dark Phoenix, which actually sucked. So anything oh, would actually the, the be better than X-Men? that. The new X-Men? The new X-Men movie, Dark Phoenix? I briefly talked about it on the Weekly Dispatch, but it was it was so awful. Yeah. Oh, I my God. I downloaded it. Yeah, I'm not interested in watching it. I still need to watch John Wick 3. That's on my next to, on my to watch still. Oh, I, I haven't seen John Wick 3 either. It's like every every Friday night's like my, my chill night, and I still don't watch it. And i like, why? Why, Sean? Why are you making Keanu sad? Yeah, no, I just got it, so I'm, I'm planning on watching it probably tonight or something. Because uh, there's no football for me to watch today because the Eagles won on Thursday night football. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! Dude, that Suck was it, such, Packers. such a good game. I don't understand where the fucking run game came from, man. Like, how do you go from, like, the most mediocre run game ever to, like, destroying the Packers on running? Because the Packers uh, are pretty good, like, run defense, too. They just blew it out of the water. I was shocked. I was like, oh, Carson's not connecting this week. Well, here goes another one. Like, yeah, after the second, back. Yeah, after the first quarter, I was like, well, this is it for this, welcome to another mediocre Eagles season. But then they started like I, crushing the run game. I went to bed with them up and the Packers getting the ball because I specifically did not want to watch them come back. And then even in the morning when I woke up, the first highlight I saw was Aaron Rodgers inside the 10-yard line, and my first thought was, oh, this is how we lost the game. That's yeah. cool. And then you see the interception, and you go, yeah. holy shit, we actually won. We pulled it out. How on earth have we lost to those other teams? 
I like, yeah, I like the memes that are just like, uh, what is it, like the Pete Carroll versus the head coach of the the Packers going like passing on fourth and or on four, on fourth and one in the end zone. <laughs> yeah, when you have, uh, was it Marshawn Lynch? Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. They, they threw, they passed four times on the one yard line and they dropped it every single time. Man, I don't no, know that was it, that was a good pickup for the Eagles. They needed that because, especially yeah, with the Cowboys looking as good as they are right now, it's going to be challenging to make it out of the NFC East if yeah. the Cowboys don't hit either like a massive scandal, or you know Dak Prescott stops showing up and wants to get paid. Yeah, because I mean the Redskins are terrible. No offense, Redskins. Oh, so are the Giants. Giants are terrible. No offense, to Giants fans, but. Let's just be honest. Like the Giants are terrible. I mean, and then without Saquon Barkley, like their season's over already. <laughs> yeah, New York is like completely yeah, I'm excited like, for apathetic this at year. this point. Um, I mean, at least game, Pete Alonso hits a so home run. But expensive NFL tickets. I'm like looking on StubHub, um, and it's like a hundred dollars just for standing space, just for standing room tickets. It's not worth it. I I, I think it's more comfortable watching it at home because I watched the Sean. college games yesterday. Yeah, can you hear me? Hello. Are we having technical difficulty? Oh, sure. Did you say something? I said something. Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, I got you now. I think Christina just hijacked my my Bluetooth. My bad. Anyways. Oh my god. Uh, no, yeah, I was agreeing with you that the tickets are too expensive. Oh yeah, yeah, the hundred dollars for standing room tickets and like to get a seat, it was like a hundred eighty bucks to get like a seat and like the nosebleeds. Without Not worth like, it. I mean, without watch it on fees. Who. Yeah, but I still want to go to the I game. Watched Notre Dame yesterday was a quick game against UVA, and that was fun. And then you watch a pro game today, and you realize how many like little two minute breaks they constantly take for commercials. Oh yeah, it's absolutely awful. Yeah. Today I'm actually watching. Uh, I got a stream for um, Red Zone, and it's w- so much better to watch Red Zone because oh, we got it. We got it for free as part of our first month of cable package, and they took it away. It was like, how could you? I Dude, love Red that. Zone is pretty legit. I might like actually like, consider buying Red Zone because I've been watching. I just have it on the background. They got three games on the screen right now. I'm watching three games at once. It's like there's no commercial breaks. It's just straight football. It's pretty dope. No, it's. It's great, and it's just whenever teams get in there and start their drive, you're going to find out. I think it's a lot of the fantasy sports guys. But, like, watching a normal game when it goes back and forth, you're just like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. when, is, when is there going to be a score? Oh, how are the Browns doing right now? I know our listeners uh, really want to I just saw – when we were talking, I was watching, and they chubb broke off an 88-yard rushing touchdown. I think they're, they're doing – they're beating uh, the Ravens, but I don't know what the score is right now. Damn it, I hope they were – gonna lose because yeah they're cr- i actually like the browns man i love the browns Baker, I, I love the underdog story yeah they're up 40 to 25 and yeah. uh i think baker mayfield might have shown up for this game based on his conversation he's got 342 passing yards a touchdown and an interception dude did you see that there was this one play where they did like a double reverse to obj and obj fucking hucked it like 60 yards to like the 10 yard line and i forget what which wide receiver had it but it Hit him in the hands and he dropped it. That's frustrating. From from Ob, it's a double double reverse. It was like they, it was like a shotgun pass to Baker Mayfield, hands it off to like Jarvis Landry, who then like tosses it up to to OBJ and OBJ avoids two tackles, runs up like slips out two tackles and chucks it sixty yards to the ten yard line, and the wide receiver just drops it. And I was like, Jesus, this is why. Well, I, speaking of people that aren't failing. Uh, the Northeastern soccer team is like five, two, and one right now. They're, they're they? off to a great start to the season, and they keep awesome. saying like, "Be somebody," and it pays to be a winner. So, it's awesome seeing them take on that motto and, and just really persevere through these games and start chalking up wins on that board. Hell yeah, hell yeah, brother! Let's go Huskies! Hell yeah! Um, I guess I will, well, I guess we'll end up with that. I don't see anything else we want to talk about for this week. No. Uh, Check out the Weekly Dispatch and Brain Body Bobby for some more content as you head through the week. We've given you three awesome podcasts every week that you can listen to on your way to PT when you're in the office not doing QTB slides. So take a listen. Shoot us up with any recommendations or questions you have about the podcast or topics you want to hear, and we'll start lining up uh, 
these programs for you guys week in, week out. Absolutely. As always, guys, you can find us online, www.coronasfit.org, on Instagram, at coronasfit, and uh, on email, hq at coronasfit.org. Until next time. Also, love you guys. Bye, Bobby. Bye, Sean. See you. Bye, Bobby. Bye. Hang up. You hang up first.